This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. I speak by inspiration. I, I mean, I'm not one who can just sit down at a table, think of a subject, and write around it. I just can't do it. So, for me, it's got to come. Yes, I think that's what God wants to say. That's the only way. So you get up here quick and sometimes, because I'm thinking, I really hope this is what you want to say. And if ever, ever I was given confirmation that this message is it, that last song that you've just sung is practically the message. So it's amazing. I'd never heard the song before, but that's it. I'm going to speak about birthing. Birthing. I've read the story of Jesus' birth since I'm about two years of age when I started to recite the ad nods, in the, the verses in, in chapel or church. I've read it, recited it, listened to it for 70 years. 70 years, I could, most of us who've been brought up in church could say it off by heart, couldn't we? And then God reveals something to you. And that's what's absolutely phenomenal about the Bible. Yeah. Is that it lives every stage of your life. No matter how familiar you are with the scriptures, God will show you something in it yeah. that's phenomenal and that will change your life. No matter what, you never become over familiar with the Bible. It's not a boring book. <laughs> so you keep reading it and it gives of its jewels to you and its treasures and its riches. So I'm going to start by reading about Mary and we all know the story but we're going to read it in any case. It's Luke 1 verses 26 to 38 and there's quite a bit of reading in the first part but it'll only be in the first part. So, so in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee. Nazareth. The name means Nezrite, and it means a root, or a branch, or a shoot, and it fulfills the, prophet, the, the, the prophecy of Isaiah 11, where he says, uh, a root will come from the shoot of Jesse, and a branch will spring forth, and he's referring to Jesus. So this is the fulfillment of the prophecy. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now, if Gabriel stood in front of me, I think I'd believe him. Gabriel is one of the archangels, and he was only sent out, you heard about him in Daniel and with Mary, to give huge messages from God. And he, says, you know, he stood in the very presence of God to deliver message. He was one of the chief angels, one of the archangels. So I've never seen him, not been important enough to get that important a message. So here we go. So Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit is a big problem, really, isn't it? You know, come on. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth year. Gosh, that would be in a long pregnancy, wouldn't it? Six months. For no word from God will ever fail. And there's an answer. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. All of us are pregnant, right? By the Holy Spirit. All of us. Oswald Chambers says this in one of the Christian classics, which is called My Atmosphere is Highest. He says, Every Christian is as pregnant with Jesus as Mary was. He is to grow within us until when people look at us, they know that we are carrying something special. You were born to give birth. You were born again to give birth. You are to give birth to Christ. You are to birth him into your sphere of influence, no matter what it is. Whether it is school, whether it's family, whether it's your community. Every Christian is to grow Christ inside of them until we birth him to the outside world. That's the call. The church is to birth Christ. There's nothing else we're called to do. We are to be transformed into the image of Christ. That's our calling. And yes, into all this, other people get specific callings. So whether you've had a vision of what God wants to do, whether you've had a promise of what God's to do, no matter what it is, it has to be implanted into you by the Holy Spirit. Our good plans are not always God's plans. It has to be a Holy Spirit-given plan. And it can only come if you're in Christ. And that has to grow within you until you deliver. And she got pregnant in Nazareth. Getting pregnant, I'd say, simple enough. Isn't it? Getting pregnant, all right. Quite encouraging, quite nice to get pregnant. And in this place, but she's a virgin. She's a virgin. She's only engaged to Joseph. She shouldn't have been having sex. And so into all this, you come, all these problems immediately come when you get implanted with the seed of God. Yes. You'll immediately hit a problem. Some people won't want you to be pregnant. They don't want to see what God's doing in your life. They want you to be ordinary. They want you to toe the line. And Mary here, Joseph could have divorced her. And the priest could have asked to have us stoned to death. Lots of people would love to stone us when we say we're following Christ. Yeah. They don't want anything to do with it. 
So although the initial getting pregnant is very good, it brings with it its problems. And the seed has to grow. The seed has to be um, cushioned. You have to guard it. You have to watch it. Because people want to take it away immediately. People want to take it away. And Joseph, who was engaged to her, now we'll go on to Matthew. This is Matthew 1. We rightly. And this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged, betrothed, engaged um, to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. What a man. What an absolute gem of a man. If you want to marry anybody, girls, marry a Joseph. Marry a Joseph. What a man. This says it all about the integrity of Joseph. This man was to the law, faithful to the law. In other words, he was a Christian, shall we say. But he didn't want to put her to public disgrace. He'd been wronged. His girlfriend, or his fiancée, was pregnant, not with his child. And yet, what did he not want to do? Shame her. He didn't want to shame her in front of people. He wanted to guard her reputation. Do you know? Beware of people who tear down people's reputations in the church. Beware of people who want to trash other people. Beware of people who just want to tell you how bad those people are. Beware of people who want to wreck somebody's reputation, character. Beware of them. They're not doing God's work. This man was faithful to the law. He was faithful to the law. The law said she should be stoned. But Joseph said, no. No. Let's shield her. That's when you see Jesus in people. You see Jesus in people when they can shield people's reputations and not hear them trashed to pieces. If you're sitting in the midst of people who are trashing other people, you're not sitting with the Holy Spirit. You're sitting with quite another spirit. And you shouldn't be there. You should leave. You should not be sitting where people are tearing other people down. You're not listening to a Joseph. You're listening to the enemy. Because it is only he is the accuser of the brethren. People of God, we do not accuse people. We shield them. Love covers a multitude of sins. And if we love, we cover. We do not tear down. And we do not sit in the midst of people who are tearing down. Be a Joseph. Be a Joseph. And so Joseph takes her, stays with her. Because the angel, we'll go on. Sorry, I haven't read it all. We'll go on. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill 
what the Lord had said through the prophets. And so Joseph took Mary, and they go on. And then they have to leave. And I'll, come, I'll read it later. You cannot birth in Nazareth. You cannot give birth in Nazareth. You can only give birth in Bethlehem. Yeah. Nazareth is a toxic place. Nazareth is toxic. And you have to leave Nazareth if you want to give birth. And I'll show you why. So we'll go on, if you will, to Luke 4. I said there's a lot of reading in the first part. I promise you there won't be much reading after the first part. Wait for it to come up. Luke 4? That's it. That's it. Sorry, Luke 2. No, Luke 4. Luke 4, please, Lee. Is it up? Yeah. This is Jesus. Jesus has started his ministry, and he goes back to Nazareth. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the pressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the fulfilment of that scripture, is what he told them. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Isn't it amazing how people start to support you in the beginning? You can have support in the beginning. Lots of people will say how fantastic you are in the beginning. They will love you in the beginning. And then Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were men in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Isn't it funny how they turn on you? Say something they don't like. Wow, they're going to come after you like a pack of dogs. They got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off a cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. You find it amazing? And it says, I don't know, I think I've missed the verse. He could not do many miracles there. Could not. Not would not. Could not. 
was prevented. Nazareth is a toxic place. Not even Jesus could bring his ministry to fruition in Nazareth. Not even Jesus. It is toxic. You cannot birth in Nazareth. Are you with me? So you may have got pregnant in Nazareth in that place, but you can't stay there. You can't stay because Nazareth is an attitude. It's an attitude that breeds resentment, breeds rejection, breeds destruction on people. It is this attitude that says, well, who does he think he is? What does he think he is saying that? Do you think he's going to do all that? Who does he think he is? He's arrogant. Who does he think he is? That's what they were saying. You will never birth the things of God into a toxic atmosphere. You have to leave. You have to leave. You have to leave that attitude. And into all of this comes God. Because in Luke, again, sorry, more reading for you, but it's very important. You all know the verses in any case. Luke 2. No, sorry, Leah. It is Luke 2. Sorry. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census. Isn't this amazing? When I read this, it had never happened before. It's the first time the census was taken. At the time Jesus was meant to be born, Joseph had to take his family from Nazareth to Bethlehem. First time it had done, while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Still not married. Still not married. Still his fiancée. Amazing, isn't it? I find that amazing. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. They didn't leave Nazareth because they wanted to. They were comfortable in Nazareth. They were supported by their families in Nazareth. They knew Nazareth. It was their hometown. They didn't want to leave Nazareth. It's the enemy that got them out of Nazareth. You go when you're with me? It's the enemy, the Romans, who said, leave Nazareth, go to Bethlehem. They didn't want to go. They wouldn't have gone. Sometimes your enemies are better friends to you than your friends, spiritually speaking. It is sometimes your enemies will remove you into the place that God has for you. Your friends want to keep you there. Your friends tell you how brilliant you are. Friends tell you how great you're going to be. Friends are always encouraging. But your enemy shifts you, moves you, pushes you. Because you can't birth in Nazareth. And if you won't move, God uses the enemy to move you on. Happened to you? Happened to me. Happened to me. And now I understand what loving your enemies is all about. Because when it happens, you think they're the worst people in the world. How can they treat you like that? How can anybody that you've been with for so long turn on you? How can they destroy you? 
after you've spent decades with them. This was my experience. How can they lie about you to people? How can they wreck your reputation? How can you say it's demonic just because you don't like you've had a disagreement and you've got to leave? Not because you want to. That place is your home. That place, I get emotional here. That place is your comfort. That place is what you've put your life into for the last decades. Suddenly you've got to leave. You've got to leave because they pushed you out. They don't want you anymore. They don't like what you're saying anymore. Go. And your enemies push you. And I will look back and I say, thank God for my enemies. Because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in this place. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here spiritually. If it wasn't for them, I would never learn more about God. If it wasn't for them, I hadn't seen his goodness and his faithfulness to me. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have reaped anything. I'd have been stuck in Nazareth, living in toxicity. Thank God for your enemies. They sometimes do more for you than your friends do. And so they move. They move. Are you with me so far? Heavy? Is that heavy for a Christmas sermon? <laughs> Yay! I love to bring a light message. So it doesn't happen very often. It's like Joyce Mayer. You know, Joyce Mayer say, oh, she's funny. She says it's funny. I'm not a funny woman. People say I'm funny. I'm not a funny woman. I'm the opposite. I think I'm quite frivolous, really. And then I suddenly get up here and I'm all serious. It's not me. But never mind. That's how God works. And so we come to the journey. And this is a huge part of our life, is the journey. It's what the song says. The seed has been planted. What you're to birth has been planted. Now you've got to walk the walk, sometimes in the winter. It's about walking the walk now, isn't it? And another, Joyce Mayer also says this, and I've got to say it because I think it's wonderful, and I quote it very often because I'm useless at one-liners. I can't even think of a title for a sermon, you know? And I go to God and I say, can you give me a catchy title now? Yeah. Nothing come in. And I go on and on. The whole time I'm putting something together, is can I have a catchy title on? Something really catch never comes to me, and I'm ringing somebody up and saying, what do you think I should call this? It doesn't happen. But she says this. Everybody wants a testimony. When you get the test, all you get are the monies. So I say it again. Everybody wants a testimony. But when they get the test, all they get are the monies. So, I don't know if the English people understand monies. Morning. When you get a test, all you do is moan. You get the last part, not the first part. To get the testimony, you've got to go through the test. And so they start on their journey towards Bethlehem. It's a 70-mile journey. And Mary was eight months pregnant. So it's not a comfortable ride on the top of a donkey. Now, whether she actually went on a donkey, I don't know. Does it say? Does it say? No, I don't think it says she was on a donkey. We assume the whole of the romantic idea, isn't it, of the nativity is that Mary was on a donkey all the way going in. Uncomfortable. I've only been on a horse once. I never wish to go on a horse again. 
It was when we were on holidays in... What's our place down south where some people live? Cornwall. <laughs> and... Um, Rachel, did, Rachel didn't go. She was only 18 months old. And uh, Roger didn't go either. He didn't want to go on a horse. So he stayed with Rachel. And Helen and Andrea and I went on the horse. Well, of course, they were fine. I couldn't sit down. For a, a, sitting down after that was the most painful experience you can imagine. It was awful. So imagine going through this desert land on a donkey. Well, there we go. Well, but that's where she had to go. Because you have to leave Nazareth behind. And the journey is this. You can take the people out to Nazareth, but you have to get Nazareth out of the people. And that's your journey. Your journey is that God is going to take out of you all that stuff, all that rubbish that we've built up over the years. And he's going to replace it with something phenomenal. He takes it out. Every test you go through is that your faith, one Peter, one, is that your faith is increased. But also that your character becomes more like Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. To carry this thing that is put inside of you to the point of fruition. But along the way, you will have an enemy. And you know, Satan ain't interested in you. He couldn't care less about any one of you. You're not important enough to him to care about you. Now all this business, oh, the devil's been after me today. What he's after is what's in you. The only thing important about you is what you're carrying. He's not interested in the person, but if you've got the call of God in your life, and he's done it from the very, very beginning. It was God's plan that he went to scupper in the garden. It was nothing to do with Eve and Adam and Eve. But the plan of God, the fact that you can birth Christ into this world, that's what he's after. That's what he wants. That's what he wants to destroy in you. Nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with you. We're nothing. You can cut up about us. But he knows if we birth the plan, he knows what happens then. People run to Jesus and not to him. He wants to scupper the plan of God. And for that, he's your enemy. Right? And this is it. So I've got three verses for you because we can't go through this journey scared. You can't go through it scared of him. But Jesus tells us this. And you read about it in me. I've got bits of paper stuck to my Bible now. To make sure that I've got the right one. Here, which is this? No, that's Micah. That's not it. I think this is in it. It's Luke 22. There we are. On it. This is to Simon Peter. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to have you, to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not completely fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. We're to become sifted saints. He asks permission to sift us. He asks permission to sift Job. He asks permission. 
Let me have a go at them. Let me have a go at them. Let me shake them. Let me shake them until everything they know shakes. Let me at them. And Jesus says, okay. But he's praying for you. Pleading for you, it said. That your faith will stay true. So when you go through it, don't be worried. Isaiah tells us this. Though you pass through the waters, they will not drown, drown you. When you go through the fire, it won't burn you. I put my spirit here. I've lost that one. Gone. I got a piece of paper in it and I'll just show me where it is, but it's gone. There we go. So, so God says, nothing's going to harm you when you're going through this walk. Nothing will drown you. Nothing will burn you. Nothing's going to harm you. We think... I can't find them. We dread, and when we talk about the enemy, there's a dread that comes into us. But we have to know who we are in Christ. You have to know that though we're sifted, you know, God says you're not going to drown. Jesus says, I'm praying for you. And Paul tells us, all things work together for good to those who love God. All things. If you can get that in your head when you're going through this, this place, this desert, this journey, that you've had the seed implanted and you're going to give birth. If you can get that in, that all things, and it doesn't matter what. You know, people say some good will come out of this. It's not that some good will come out of it. It's that all things in your life work together for good. So it's, it's this idea that you have in your mind that God is always for me. It doesn't matter what I'm going to go through on the road. God is always for me. God is never against me. And when the enemy shakes, every, and he'll shake, he'll touch those things that you never thought could be touched. He'll hit you sideways, he'll blindside you with things that you didn't expect. You're going to be hit when things that you never thought. I, thought, I never in a million years could have dreamt that that would come to nothing. Never. If you look at Job, he touched his finances, he touched his family, he touched his marriage, he touched his relationships with his friends, he touched his health, he touched his reputation. He shook everything. And that's not to say that we're all going to go through all of those things. God forbid. But, you know, we go through some of them. All of us will go through some of those things being shaken. And, it's, and he wants to shake you so that you compromise so that you quit, so that you get, and sometimes, you know how the shaking comes? Surprising. It'll come through success. Sometimes it'll give you success. And when you get success, you have the worst sin. You get proud. He wants to shake you. He wants all this, so he's shaking you. 
And God says, come to me. And you know, in the point of shaking, when you're shook, when things happen that you just never dreamt of, it's the going to God that changes everything. And then you understand what part of scripture means. When you go to God in prayer and say, I cannot do this anymore. Ever been there? I just can't put up with this any longer. This is too hard for me. And what happens in that amazing place is, you feel, David does it in Psalms, doesn't he? He starts off running and he'll end up praising because God has come into the situation. And what you get is comforted by him. You get the comfort. And then you'll get the strength of the Holy Spirit coming to you. So he says, yeah, I can go on. Yeah, I can go on. And he becomes more real to you than the circumstances. And you know what Paul is saying. I can do all things through Christ who constantly infuses strength into me. And you understand that you're weak. That you're weak, but he's strong. And he holds you in his strength and he comforts you out of his strength. And so those horrible things and those bad things that we go through suddenly makes sense because you see it in the light of who he is it's bringing you to a place where you can take your eyes off yourself you won't have self-reliance but also you'll take your eyes off other people because if we constantly live and want an affirmation it's a sad life because not everybody's going to affirm you if we constantly want to live in encouragement you won't get it because God is teaching us that the only thing you can absolutely put your trust in is him. That's what the journey is about. Because we can't have self-reliance and we have to be rid of toxic emotions. Because I have to tell you, God doesn't care what your opinion of me is. He doesn't care what you think of me. You can have your opinions of me. You can have your criticisms of me. You can have your judgments of me. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what you think of Phil. He doesn't care what you think of Sally. He doesn't care what you think of John. John doesn't care what your opinion on other people is. He makes up his own mind. He's not sitting in heaven listening to our opinions and saying, well, I never knew that about them before, did you? It doesn't happen. He knows us inside and out and he looks at our hearts. And he don't care what you think about me. And because he don't care, I don't care either. I don't care what you say about me. And I mean it in humility, not pride. Because my life has been spent caring about what other people say. And I come to a point where I think, I don't care. Do your worst. Say your worst. Because if God is for me, no one can be against me. And I stand in the assurance that nothing can separate me from his love. So say your worst, do your worst, do what you like. Devil, sift me everywhere you want. But I know there's not a demon in hell that can separate me from the love of God. That's what the desert shows you. That's what he brings you to. That's what it's all about. 
It ain't about you. It's about birthing what he's put into you. And that comes through faith. And finally, you arrive in Bethlehem. And do you know what Bethlehem means? I think time has gone. I'm sorry. Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem means house of bread, house of meat, house of all. And you come to Bethlehem because now you've learned to feed on Christ. He's become the bread of life to you. Other people's opinions are not your meat anymore. I'm not your bread anymore. You don't live after what people say about you anymore. You live about what he says about you. And it's called house of meat because Jesus says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. It's the house of obedience. Because when you've learned to trust him, you've learned to obey him. You'll obey because you've no worries about obeying him now. You're not scared. And it's called the house of war because you'll fight the real enemy, not people. You'll take up the war against the enemy of your soul, not against people. People are not your enemies, but Satan is. And he's born in Bethlehem. was in a little town called Ephrathah. It was the region in which Bethlehem was. And Ephrathah means fruitfulness. So you go through the desert. You get, you get made pregnant in Nazareth. You better leave. You won't be able to carry on your ministry in Nazareth. Not in much toxicity. And you go through the desert. And yeah, the journey's tough. But you'll get to know God. And you'll come out of it better than you were when you went into it. You'll have left Nazareth behind. And you'll have taken on something that gets you to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, he's born. In that absolute humility. You see, Herod was not a Jew. Herod had no right to the kingship. He had no right to the throne. And when he kills the babies, he doesn't kill them when they say a king is born. He knew that out there, there was someone with the real right to the throne. The line. And that was Jesus. Because he's of the lineage of David. And my Jesus had the right to an earthly throne. He could have claimed an earthly throne as well as the heavenly throne. He truly is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's who we birth. That's who we birth. That's who the church births. That's who we birth. So leave Nazareth behind, church. Start your journey. If you're on the journey, keep going. Don't quit. Reach Nazareth. Because what he's got to give us is far more than what we've left behind. And I leave my favourite, favourite carol, which is a Welsh one. When the kids sing in school, it's not sung in the churches. But it ends with this. The chorus goes. And hanol soon a dathli, a oes na leiriesi, na dirlleti llawn o hyd. In the middle of all the celebrations, is there a place for Jesus? Or is the stable still full? He is worth every bit of the journey. Because when you find him in reality, you will have found life itself.
This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 59